0: got back from vacation, and I wanted for my vacation peace, peace from work, peace from life, and, and did I get it? Uh, there are some moments of some type of peace, I guess, but you know, when you go on a 2,500-mile road trip with a family of seven, I wouldn't describe that as peaceful. It was fun, but it, I wouldn't say it was peaceful, but it's constantly something we struggle for, isn't it, to get peace, you know, whether it's financial peace, you wonder, how am I going to pay those bills? World peace. You look at the news and see what's going on, the drug cartel in Mexico to the terrorism attacks here in America and other parts of the world. Turn on the news, you see that the world does not have peace. Peace in ourselves. Right? Peace from the guilt that we feel because of past sins. Peace at home. I wonder, why can't I get along with you fill in the blank? Peace at work. There aren't enough hours to do what my boss expects of me. How am I supposed to have peace at work? Peace is something that we're constantly struggling to get, and it feels like maybe there's moments of peace in our life at times, but, but to really have true peace, you have to wonder, is it something we can have? I, I live right next to a cemetery, and you can imagine the one phrase that is posted on, on many of those tombstones. And you guess what it is? Rest in peace. Right? Is that the only time that we can have peace? When we're dead. Is that it? Is that what we're waiting for? And that's not true. The fruits of the Spirit that we are talking about are not fruits that we will only have someday in heaven, but they are here for us today. The Holy Spirit is with us and he gives us these fruits. So why don't we always have peace? And what is the peace that we are seeking to achieve? What does it look like? The question that I want you to consider today is, is the reason we don't have peace our own fault, or is it, or are the circumstances that surround us in the sinful world, is, it, is that the, the problem? Is it our own fault or the circumstances around us? I want you to consider that as we look through our sermon lesson for today, Psalm 46. And Psalm 46 starts off in a very frightening way. It, it gives this view of the worst possible scenario ever. You see, at least in a tornado, you can go to a tornado shelter. At least in a hurricane, you can be warned in advance and find somewhere safe to go. At least in a, in, in a, a fire, there is an alarm so that you can evacuate on time. But what would happen if the very ground you were standing on was caving in, if the mountains were literally crumbling, if the sea was so wild and the waves were so big that it would swallow the largest ocean liner, what would you do if there was nowhere to run? That's the situation that our psalmist describes for us today. And in that type of situation, our psalmist simply says, we will not fear. How could he not fear in a situation like that? And We have panic attacks. We have stress and anxiety for far less issues. How could he not fear? What does the psalmist know that we don't know? He continues by talking about a river. He says this in verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. Now, a river is a a symbol of life, and especially for a city, when a city is being besieged by another country, when an army is outside, having a river gives them hope, it gives them life, it causes them to be able to survive for a much longer amount of time. Many people think that Psalm 46 was written during the siege of the Old Testament reading that we read for today, of when 185,000 Assyrian soldiers came down, the most powerful army in the world at that time, and surrounded the walls of Jerusalem, and the people didn't know what to do. They had nowhere to run. Or as the psalmist says here, again in verse 2 and 3, the earth gives way, the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. They had nowhere to run. But what gave them hope and life and confidence? Their river. Now, the city of Jerusalem didn't have a river flowing through it, so what was their river? What was their hope and their confidence And their life, well, he says in verse 1 again, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. God and the promises that he made to his people, that they were going to survive despite what it looked like against all odds, God's promise, that was their river, their life, their hope, their survival. That phrase, "an ever God is a refuge of strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Uh, uh, in the original language, that phrase means very proven or, or time-tested help in trouble. If you think about it, it makes sense why the translators made it an ever-present help in trouble. Our God is very proven. He is time-tested. Every one of the promises that our God has made, he fulfilled. No matter how difficult the promise seemed at the time, No, how great of a miracle it needed to happen, God fulfilled it. God promised Abraham and Sarah that they would have a child in their old age. And they did. When she was 90 years old, they had a child. God promised that he would send a flood into this world which would destroy the entire world, and it happened. And then God put a rainbow in the sky and promised that he would never again destroy this world by means of a flood. And now when we see that rainbow, it's a reminder that God keeps all of his promises. God promised the people of Israel that they would come out of slavery in Egypt, and against all odds, against the power in the world at that time, they were freed. They walked right through the middle of the the Red Sea, and in the morning they woke up and saw the bodies of the most powerful army in the world washing up on the shores of the Red Sea. God kept his promises against all odds. They didn't have to fear. Because they knew who their God was. Now, do you remember the question that I asked you earlier? Is the reason why we don't have peace our own fault, or is it the fault of the circumstances around us? And the answer is yes. <laughs> Both and, right? Now, granted, we do not have control so often about the circumstances that happen around us. We live in a sinful world and and horrible things can happen to us that are out of our control. But we do have control of our sinful nature. We can say no to our sinful nature. We can and, and the problem is, is consider for a moment just what sin does for us. It causes us to believe a lie. It causes us to believe that God is not our refuge and strength, because look at the circumstances around you. It causes us to believe that God is not all-powerful, and he's not able to deal with his situation. It causes us to believe that the world is out of control when we see the evening news. It causes us to believe that God doesn't love us. It causes us to believe a lie. And it even goes a step further to even call God a liar. Sin calls God a liar. And let's stop calling it a phantom or some demon living inside of us. We are the ones who at times call God a liar. We don't believe that everything is going to be okay when we have financial problems, when we have problems at work or at home. We, we feel that things really are out of control. That's a sinful nature taking over and, and taking from us the peace that the Holy Spirit grants to us. We believe a lie, we call God a liar. Even though we are shaken, even though we taunt God by calling Him a liar sometimes, our God's promises continue to remain firm, don't they? He still fulfills, He still holds us secure, even though we may doubt Him and His promises at times. You consider Sarah again, who when she found out she was going to have a baby in her old age, her very old age, she laughed, but God still continued to follow through in his promise. The children of Israel, when he brought them out of slavery in Egypt, despite their grumbling, despite their complaining, he continued to grant that promise and put them into the promised land, despite their sins. You think of the flood and the rainbow that our God put in the sky. Today, our society mocks the rainbow, mocks God the rainbow that he put in the sky, doesn't, doesn't this culture? But our God, despite the sins of our culture, he continues to uphold that promise. Doesn't he? And he keeps his promises despite how sinful we and this culture really is. And the greatest promise of all that he fulfilled, sending our Savior into this world despite who we are, despite what we actually deserve, and despite the fact that he was going to be whipped and beaten and killed by the same people that he was trying to save, he came into this world and he fulfilled the promise because God promised that he was going to do it. And he decided to love us despite who we are. God fulfills so we can have peace, not just in this world, but also in the next. He takes away every one of our sins of doubt when we, in those times when we called God a liar because we didn't believe it knowing that God keeps his promises, knowing that he is our refuge and strength, um, how do we deal, with, how do we deal with, with the circumstances that the sinful world puts in front of us? We already talked about our sinful nature, that we are able to say no to our sinful nature when it tries to take away the peace from us. But what about the circumstances surrounding us? How do we deal with those circumstances when they come into our life so that we can continue to have peace? this is what it says in verse 10 God says this to us be still and know that I am God now do you understand why it's worded that way be still and know that I am God that is if God is God if God really is all-powerful if God really does keep his promises if God really does love us if God really is who he said he is in the Bible you can be still no matter what problems you have going on in life, no matter how the circumstances may develop in your life, in or outside of your control, you can, as it says, be still and know that He is God. And in verse 9 it continues by saying, He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. Now, someday, we're going to live in a world with no war, with no murder, with no problems at all. And and to be honest with you, thinking about what the news is going to be like in heaven someday, it's going to be quite boring, won't it be? Or maybe it's a bad word for it. It'll be peaceful. Right? That's the peace that we're going to have in heaven someday. But what... But what about now? What peace do we have now? What does it look like for us? And I think the best way to understand the peace that the Holy Spirit gives to us that we can have here is to look at the life of Jesus. Did Jesus ever feel stressed and anxiety while he was here? The perfect son of God. Did he have stress and anxiety while he was here? Yeah. Think about when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was praying. He knew what was going to happen to him. And he knew that he was going to be suffering worse than any human being had ever suffered before. But in that difficult time for him, he had peace in certainty, in the certainty of God's promises. See, despite the fact that he had to suffer, despite the fact that this was going to happen, he was certain that he was going to win that battle. He was certain that he was going to rise from the dead. He was certain that he was going to take away each and every one of our sins. He was certain that he was going to be victorious. And that gave him peace. And that gives us peace today too. You know, we go through sufferings. We go through difficult times in our life as well. Circumstances that sometimes are completely out of our control. And yeah, those, those times of suffering, they're going to come. But we have peace in the certainty of God's promises. That your sins are taken away. That Jesus did die and rise and so also you will die and rise too. That God does send his angels to protect you. That God really does love you. That God really is in control of the situation around you and around this world despite what it may look like. And you have peace in the certainty of those promises. And the way that you can be strengthened in the peace, the certainty of those promises is through the river that our God gives to us, his word. In his word, we have life and hope and certainty. We see promises fulfilled over and over again so that you can be sure that what he promises is reality. (coughs) From the Old Testament reading that we read earlier today, we saw what happened when those 185,000 soldiers standing outside of the city gates. The strongest army in the world in Jerusalem did not have an army to fight up against it. But God promised them that they would survive. Those people woke up the next morning, looked over the city walls, and they saw 185,000 dead soldiers. The most powerful army in the world wiped out from the angel of the Lord. God's promises, fulfilled. They had no reason to fear, and neither do we. Amen.